You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to the podcast, the Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. And here we are, yet again. So what are we smoking this week, Brad? So this week, we've got the Hoyo La Amistad Black. And um, kudos to folks that can tell us if we've actually smoked this cigar before or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I lost the list, and now it's like, I can't remember what we smoked. All we I think we did the, like the regular Hoyo Black. I don't think we had the AJ La Amistad uh, Hoyo this came out about the same time as the uh, the Punch Diablo came out. Man, I am still hooked on that cigar. I can't say enough about how oh, yeah. great that is. But um, every, I, time, I, every time the 660s come in, they don't stay long. Like the, that's like the most popular size. It just disappears overnight. So you just kind of kind of grab them while you can. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm I will tell you that right off the bat, uh, this cigar. Is uh coming in uh, very close to the Diablo. I mean, this, all right. So, what does this cigar consist of? So, this is a Ecuadorian Sumatra Oscuro wrapper with um, Mexican uh, binder and Nicaraguan filler. And the weird thing about this is, it's almost like I've got hot sauce on the tip of my tongue <laughs> because there's just a lingering. Yeah, it definitely spice. has like a. Uh, it, it's it's very interesting. Very peppery. It, it is kind of similar in and flavor to the Diablo, which I love. So now, when I can't find the Diablo, I'm just gonna start smoking this thing because <laughs> you can usually find one or the other if uh, if they're sold out. I mean, this but is not a- I, I don't know, man. This box looked just as low as uh, the Diablos. I mean. And, uh, I mean, this is interesting. I mean, I haven't smoked too many um, Hoyo cigars. But, you know, anytime AJ, you know, is willing to, hey, I'd like to do a pairing and, you know, put a twist on something. For some reason, like, I guess it's just the marketing appeal to it. But uh, automatically, I'm like, I've got to give that a try. Yeah, I mean, because there's not a, like a whole lot of... I mean, you've got guys that are like, you know, brand ambassador uh, celebrities. But as far as like a blender, it's like, you know, AJ is like the rock star of like cigars right now. Cause like, he's like, you know, going around, you know, putting together hits for everybody. It's, 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 you know, kind of a, kind of a odd celebrity uh, status. He's like, he makes his own. And then he's like this hired gun for to like, Oh, you want something cool? Here's you something cool. You guys need something cool? Come on, let me let me give you something cool. Just, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you this know, traveling guru of cigars. But I mean, I, it's phenomenal. And I mean, this is unique because normally you get the blast of pepper and then it kind of fades away with time. But I mean, dude, this is this is almost like uh, you know using a lot of you know. Cayenne or something in barbecue rubs. Like, this is a lingering spice that, you know, <laughs> has yet to subside, but it's not so overpowering that it's like, oh my God, you know, I've, you know, consumed hellfire or something. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, rather interesting and, you know, complex. And, um, 
I'm not even a quarter of the way through this cigar, and I'm already, you know, at the point to. I'm going to choose this over the the Diablo. Wow, that's big talk. Yeah, I uh, I. I don't know. See, I don't know if I can do two powerhouses back to back, but like. Maybe the other thing, normally we end up like hanging out and smoking one before we record, so it's like by the time we're on to the review cigar, we may be a little uh, uh, numbed to the flavor, and like, you know, today we're going in uh, going in blind, we didn't have a, a morning smoke before recording, so. Yeah, but I mean, you know, even in the times that we've did that, like, you know, normally it's, oh, let me start with a lighter fare if we know we're going to smoke a not-so-intense cigar, but I mean... I, I, I really just want to compare the two, like, side by side and, you know, see what the, the difference is, you know, and, and, and the flavors. Because, I mean, this is right up my alley. I mean, I was a big fan of the uh, Diamond Crown Julius Caesar for a long time because that was one cigar that, you know, constantly, you know, packed that peppery punch that I enjoy so much. But this has just kind of nice taken it to a, uh, a whole new level. <laughs> Peter pecked a peppery punch. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, you know. Oh. Spitting fire. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of spitting fire, uh, this week we're going to be talking about season two of The Punisher. Frank Castle returns yet again. And if you're going to, like, you know, take on the Russian mafia and crazy religious, you know, hitman guys, you should call in the Strike Force. StrikeforceEnergy.com. Use your promo code uh, CigarNurse for 20% off your order. And. They've got some new stuff too. I, I noticed in some of the coverage of uh, how was it uh, the shot show just ended, which is the big, you know, firearms and accessories trade show in Vegas. And Strikeforce was there, and they debuted a. They have now have a coffee flavored like instant coffee uh, Strikeforce mix. So you know, if you don't have time to to brew a, a nice, uh, you know, freaking French press or pour over or whatever, you can just dump some uh, Strikeforce in some hot water instead of some cold water and. Now you got a nice Sumatra coffee. To, you know, speaking of uh, Ecuadorian Sumatra uh, wrappers, and <laughs> way to way to bring it all together, my yeah. friend. So, um, you know, kind of from here on out. Uh, spoiler alert: If you haven't seen season two of The Punisher, and uh, you know, despite the mixed reviews, I highly encourage you watch it. Oh yeah! And with that, Frank's back. <laughs> Break out your skull masks and uh, you know fancy vests. It's time for Punisher season two. I, I'm just getting all the guns, <laughs> you know. 
Forget the uh, the apparel. Although, you know. You never can go wrong with basic black, man. I mean, that's like half my wardrobe. <laughs> it matches everything. <laughs> I even seen like, because uh, I follow uh, 511 Tactical on Instagram and stuff, and they were posting pictures from Punisher. And it's like, how do you like Punisher's jacket? We know where you can get one. <laughs> it's like half of Frank's gear is like, yeah, freaking 511 shit. You know, I, I completely forgot all about, you know, for the cigar picture, should have just broke out my Glock since I've got the Punisher, <laughs> you know, backplate. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be fun to explain in court if ever I have to defend myself. Like, yeah, were you they... looking for trouble? <laughs> yeah, I wonder if Netflix, like, you know, uh, like scheduled the release of Punisher season two to coincide with Shot Show because, like, <laughs> I mean, this has been a, a a popular week for gun and gun culture. Like my Instagram feed has been nothing but uh, like firearm porn for like the last week, because it's like watching the um, watching the coverage of Shot Show is like watching like the Arrowverse crossover episode every year because like every like YouTube and Instagram like gun guy I follow they're like all there so you're seeing like them posing with like the other guys you watch it's like it's like it's like the Arrowverse crossover episode of like gun videos. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it just has to do with your followers. I follow a certain uh, group of people, apparently. <laughs> uh, you alt-right extremist, you. Whatever, man. You know, which, leading up to The Punisher, you know, just the, you know, before the series actually got announced, you know, I mean, as we were following the trailers and everything, like, you know, it, it's still kind of mind-boggling to me how politicized... You know, the the character gets and, you know, like, you know, the interpretations and everything else. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, you can put on several different lenses and, you know, see the, you know, not only season one, but also season two and, you know, several different, you know, highlights. You know, I think one of the cool things is, you know, just the kind of the, you know, veteran aspect of things. Um you know, and getting help and, you know, being supportive and, you know, that type of thing, you know, not just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, coming from comic book version of, you know, uh, you know, Thomas Jane and, and stuff like that, you know, doing the Netflix and, you know, Netflix is like, ah, we're going to make it, you know, sort of real life events. Like, yeah, I gotta, and I gotta say too, like, uh, They did a lot more to humanize the Punisher this season, I think, than maybe even like previous seasons had, where he was like, you know, they gave him a a sidekick in the first one with uh, (laughs) a with a what's his name, his like you know uh, freaking NSA uh, buddy that he was, you know, he's like they screwed you over, like they screwed me over, but he was still kind of like all about the mission. I'm out for my vengeance and stuff, and and fuck everybody else. Where this one, you know, he, they kind of gave him something to care about. Where, like I said, he was, it, you know, he was still, you know, the Punisher, but you know, he actually had a lot more, I guess, emotional uh, segments than than he had shown previously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the the big takeaway that I got from this season was, uh, you know, previous renditions, he almost seems larger than life. I mean, which 
with a name like the Punisher and, you know, his vengeance spree. I mean, it, okay, yeah, you know, it, it is. It's comic book, you know. <laughs> it is not, you know, set in real life or reality, reality but... uh Because well, Frank can take a beating, and Frank heals pretty fast, too. I mean, <laughs> like, in the course of a day, like, he's getting, like, yeah. Well, I mean, it, 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 it's interesting to me. Like, you know, most people, like... When they stop fighting, they're pretty well done, you know? <laughs> Him, he's like, ah, I'm just going to remain still, take, you know, a few more punches and several more kicks and regain my energy, you know? Where <laughs> going to take a rest before I start most, beating most your people, ass. Most that's, people, that's the point where it's like, okay, guys, I'm done, you know? <laughs> I, I'm tapping out, you know? Him, it's like, ah, that's, that's how I'm going to get my breather. <laughs> yeah, he can take a beat. I mean... I mean, he got the shit kicked out of him a lot season one, but this one, this season, I'm like, holy shit, how is Frank still alive? I mean, he got shot in the ass. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's like, it's kind of the reason why I've always liked Punisher, he's like, I mean, kind of Batman, like, you know, you know, Batman is like, he's, he has no superpowers. He's just a dude with enough money and training where... All your other Marvel superheroes, you've got like, you know, freaking Captain America is made powerful by, by a, you know, a freaking mad science. You know, Tony Stark gets his power from, you know, science and whatnot. Frank gets his power from the Marine Corps. <laughs> it's like the Marine Corps and a bad attitude and some tragedy. Well, I almost you've like. You've got the punisher. <laughs> I almost wonder if there weren't some kind of experience, you know, or experiments done and. Almost like Logan minus the regenerative properties. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, you know, old Wolverine could take a beating too, but he has a healing factor and metal bones. Frank does, has none of that. He just gets the, you know, shit beat out of him and tapes his hand up for a couple days till, <laughs> till it heals. Uh, is any, y'all got any black tape? Because this white uh, bandage uh, yeah, is not tactical enough. <laughs> it's killing my vibe. Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I do want to say, though, you know, kind of completely unrelated. Um, give me one second. Uh, well, while you're gathering your thought there. Um, this season picks up a lot like last season, where last season started off, we see him walking off from, from you know, the end of Daredevil as the Punisher, and then he pops up the first season of his show where he's, thinks he's killed everybody he needs to kill and now he's trying to retire and living under an assumed name working construction but he you can see him like he still has a lot of anger and stuff you know he's he's having a hard time not being the punisher where at the end of season 1 he really had you know kind of exercised all his demons he had you know all but killed billy uh uh, Russo, the guy who who he found out finally killed his his uh, family and pretty much wiped out everyone that had anything to do with that stuff. And you see him go back to you know they they give him the option of like we've erased your identity, we've erased your fingerprints, you are free to have a life. So this season starts off with him actually trying to have a life. He doesn't seem as conflicted with peace as he did the first the beginning of the first season. I mean he's at a bar drinking a beer, listening to some, some music. It, it's, you know, it's like if it wasn't for wrong place, wrong time, he might've actually, you know, set down his guns for a while. And Well, I mean, that was kind of an interesting thing, you know, like the, the whole, you know, sequence between him and Beth, like, you know, it, 
it was almost that, hey, as he finally, you know, had that turning moment and I, I I don't know. I mean, you know, there were quite a few twists because I figured, you know, the the story arc would revolve around Beth, but it's like, you know, after those first couple of episodes, we don't see her again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I fully expect like once it was all wrapped up to, you know, see him going back to to check up on her, but no, we yeah we'll get to the, I mean, to how yeah. it ends, but yeah, because yeah, I uh, I I definitely felt like it was a little bit rushed, you know, toward the end. But I mean, part of that is me just probably not wanting it to be over. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, talking about you know the the differences, you know, between season one and season two. Uh, Rachel's been watching the other Netflix show, uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> that John Barenthal is also in. Really? And it's it's kind of crazy, you know, to see the the role of the Punisher, you know, and then see him, you know, in this wow. other completely different show, you know. <laughs> so I, I've only seen bits and pieces, but I was like, oh, shit, that's John Barenthal. She's <laughs> like, who? I was like, well, the guy that played Shane, but also the actor that does Netflix Punisher. And she's like... Oh, okay. You know. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen him in a comedic uh, role. Well, I think he's it's still. I, I don't know any any of the premise or anything because I hadn't really seen much of the the series or anything like that. But I think he's you know some sort of a quintessential villain. I, I don't know, but you know it's it's funny to kind of see him you know hang around uh, you know Titus and you know the, all the different gay dudes and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just not an environment that I typically, you know, going from the walking dead, going to the Punisher and now to this, I mean, I think it just shows, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, acting talent, you know, Barenthal has. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and speaking of like, uh, things feeling kind of rushed, my problem, my, one of my only complaints about this season is there was kind of a, I don't know, confusion of who our bad guy is. Cause it starts off very much, you know, he's walked away from the life uh, or trying to, again, he's at this bar and this girl shows up, uh, forget at, at Rachel at the time. Later we find out her name's really Amy, uh, played by Georgia, uh, Wigham and these crazy, like, um, like alt-right religious, like gang guys are chasing her with their leader is this crazy preacher dude who's like fucking bad. He's like, he's like the dark version of Frank. Well, the, you know, there was a <laughs> show that on, um, uh, what was it? Maybe national geographic or maybe discovery that was something like Amish mafia. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for some reason, like I kept like, I, I hadn't actually seen that show, but I was like, is this what the Amish Mafia is like? <laughs> yeah, that, that does kind of remind me of that. That's what that dude looked like because he was like, but, you know, we get like, a, you know, a good, what, three episodes of them. And you're like, this is our new bad guy. And they do kind of persist throughout. But then it goes back to him dealing with Billy and uh, all his shit. So it's like. Yeah, and it almost like completely forgets about the other guy who's like hunting him and the girl and gets all deep involved in and finishing off, uh, you know, Billy once he uh, wakes up from his coma and escapes. So it's like, and then, you know, we go back to like wrapping up the preacher storyline, maybe like a half an episode at the end. <laughs> so it's like, you know, give us one 
bad guy here. It's, it's, it, it seems like they kept you know, well, not I, I, focusing you know, you know, enough almost on... what I, I, I think is, you know, we've seen it with, you know, John Wick and Kingsman, right? Where you got, you know, groups of people. And I think they tried to go that direction. But, you know, I, I'm with you. It kind of felt, you know, like there was just a conglomerate. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't. It felt like we started the storyline and it was like, it was like. At first, I was like, okay, it's Yakuza. Next, it's like, oh, it's the Amish Mafia. Next, it's <laughs> Billy. Next, it's everybody. And I'm like, you know. I, they did have, yeah, kind of like a John Wick thing in there, there in the middle where, like, the since the, the preacher guy got his whole army uh, wiped out nearly, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second because that's probably one of my favorite episodes. But so they're like, well, let's just hire a bunch of assassins to find him since we're having trouble finding him with our lone guy. So they put like a $5 million bounty on him so everybody's hunting him. I mean, it's like, but it, like that whole, the whole way they wrapped up the whole preacher storyline at the, at the end is almost like, oh shit, we forgot we were telling another story. We got to hurry back and finish this off. We got distracted by Billy. <laughs> but then again, like, I don't know. I mean, we've used this analogy, you know, quite a few times, right? Like, when people stand up to their bully or whatever and, you know, they, they throw down and then they kind of walk away as mutual friends because all of a sudden there is a level of respect that didn't exist before. And I kind of felt like that was most definitely the the direction, you know, when, you know, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm just doing this for my kids, you know, and Frank's like, fuck, I can relate to that. <laughs> okay, well... And that was kind of the weird thing with this version of, you know, Castle, like you said, you know, where it brings in a lot more human emotion where he doesn't actually kill everybody. You yeah, know what I mean? He, he, he actually lets, lets a good number live. of people go. Like, and I'm like, that's, that's not the castle I know. <laughs> but when he decides it's time to kill, he does some killing. So, yeah, like, uh, you know. This girl who apparently is – it was kind of like an Oliver Twist. She was like a part of a gang of like teenage con men or something, and they got hired to get some blackmail evidence on this senator whose family apparently is this like, you know, hardcore religious indoctrination. But they have like corporation. They're like big like within like all kind of like corporate and stuff, and they're trying to – groom their son to become the next president so then they've well, got Well, I mean they've got, you know, a billion dollars of worth of wealth and everything else. So it's like, hey, if we can get him in a senate seat, you know, no matter what we choose to do, you know, development or, you know, yeah. outsourcing or anything of that nature, like we know he's in our pocket, you know. I mean, you know, and it's like we're grooming him to be perfect. We're sheltering him, we're, you know, yeah. sending him down the straight path that, you know, there's really not going to be any way that can deviate outside the fact that, you know, they bring up a sexuality, you know. And yeah, and so they send their their preacher hitman after uh, the kids who he kills them all. And it turns out like it's like the Russians hired them to do it because the Russians are like, well, we want evidence on this guy so we can control him instead of like his family. And Frank just kind of gets wrapped up in this whole thing because, you know, the you know, they send the, him and his army to, to get her in the in the evidence. And the whole time, like, she hasn't, you know, explained anything to him. Like, 
I I I, I kind of you know found those interactions quite funny where. You know, she's just the rebellious teenage girl, and he's like, look, people are trying to kill you. Well, you know, yeah. fuck them. Okay, you know what? Obviously, you're not getting my <laughs> point across, so um, here, I'm just going to duct tape your mouth closed, duct tape you to, you know, the bed and everything, and, you know, think about it. <laughs> I'm taking <Yeah>. a nap. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I mean, pretty much like Frank's just like, you know, I... I did a good deed. This kid was about and is apparently involved in a whole bunch of other shit. But instead of saying, you know, you're on your own kid, he like forces his help upon like, no, I'm going to keep you safe until you decide to tell me what the fuck's going on. Cause these guys shot me in the ass and now I'm pissed off. So <laughs> I'm your saver. Whether you want me or not. But that, that was the thing about, you know, I, I say I like a villain that there's enough information about him where you like, you kind of feel for him. You're like, he's not that much. So if, like for the first I would say three, four episodes. He's this like super dark character that you're like, he is just a soulless killing machine. Like, and like I said, a, a Frank without the conscience. Well, but I then mean, they I almost, introduce uh... his, his backstory where he's like a former, uh, like skinhead dude who found religion and got taken advantage of by these people. Cause his wife had cancer and he had kids and you know, they, they offered him faith and they offered him support you know, to like help his wife and family and, you know, convinced him to use his skills to help them so they could help his family. So, so at the end of the day, you, you introduce him as this like, like soulless killer. And then you're like, Oh, this is just a guy doing this, you know, to save his family. So it's, it's, I like when they, when they give you enough where you're like, you're confused of whether or not the bad guy is the bad guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you, and I think that that's one of the things that Netflix has did a lot, not only with the Punisher, but, you know, they bring a sense of morality, you know, and it's like, like you said, you know, you don't necessarily want to feel for them, but it's like, fuck, now you kind of do, you know, <laughs> so it, it kind of puts you in a, a little bit of a catch 22. I don't know. You know, it's a little bit, uh, you know, kind of had the, the, the remnants of uh, like a boondock saints or something yeah. like that, you know, where it's like, uh, okay, I mean, you're, you're righteously justified because you're killing bad dudes. But at the same time, like, <laughs> yeah, he's creepy as fuck, too, because like when he kills that uh like a uh, Russian guy uh, to find out where the girl's at and he's like praying over him as he's like choking him out. And then uh, when, you know, his people go after Frank a second time and Frank takes them all out except for one, but the cops show up and they all get arrested. And he's like in some small town, like freaking country ass, like part of Ohio sheriff's department with like, you know, five or six officers. <laughs> and these guys just like cut the power, cut the phone lines and, and surround the place and to start, and, you know, the preacher man like walks up, up and he's like, you know, I got no beef with all you guys. You know, you let, uh, you let, uh, the, you know, the, the, give me the guy and the girl and we all go our separate ways or I'm about to like, you know, rain hellfire on you. <laughs> I mean, he, he has those like elements where he's like, you know, and then when his, they break his guy out of, out of jail, I mean, he just shoots her with like, you know, like no hesitation whatsoever. Cause she's, you know, failed them twice now. <laughs> and he doesn't know what, you know, information she gave the cops. It's, but yeah, the, you know, I mean, he gives them the option of surrendering and, and and tells them several times, like, I got no beef. Just give me what I want. I'll go about my way. If not, I'm going to kill every motherfucker here. <laughs> Damn it, Chebediah. That's not how this works. <laughs> yeah. 
And you, uh, name my, you know my name is the Lord when I name my vengeance upon thee. <laughs> yeah, maybe Pulp Fiction was a little bit better than the, you know, analogy <laughs> than the Saints. Because, uh, you know, the Saints have a little bit more of a, a righteous quality. But, I mean, that that was the thing is, you know, I mean, he's doing all of this, you know, bad shit. But, I mean, you know, it, I, I don't know. I mean... It's it's interesting from a, a theological standpoint, you know, because people can read stuff and interpret it different ways and, you know, use it to manipulate folks as much as, you know, people can find good shit and betterment from it, you know. And yeah, because he's definitely, like, at least at the beginning, like, full-on drink the Kool-Aid and is completely convinced that what he's doing is the, the righteous path, you know, and, you know, because as you find out later, he was, you know, form, formerly a skinhead dude and... And left that path when he apparently, I guess he met his his uh, a wife and 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 can, decided to give up hate and whatnot, and then he just kind of traded that in for a different kind of hate, <laughs> and was you know almost manipulated by these like you know rich assholes, which played by uh, freaking uh, Corbin Burnson and uh, Annette O'Toole, which you know brilliant made them like so like freaking evil without. You know, doing anything like overtly evil. I mean, every time you see them, you're like, oh, these are some creepy motherfuckers. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, that uh, that that whole, you know, building up and, um, you know, the, the shootout and everything that takes place at the uh, police station, I think was probably, you know, one of my favorite parts. And, you know, that's at that point, you know, where... You know, it's revealed to the sheriff that, hey, you know, Frank Castle isn't necessarily the enemy. You know, we'd all be dead if, you know, <laughs> yeah, cause he, he didn't he's like, step up. He's like, you got to let me out, Sheriff. There's bad shit coming. Like, you're going to need my help. And he's like, you know, whatever, you know, convict, you know. And finally, like, you know, when he kind of busts out on his own and starts, like, helping them. And they're like, all right, this guy's got some skills. Uh, yeah, give him a gun. Let's see. What... <laughs> and he's like, at this time, he'd been shot in the hand. So his hand's, like, all wrapped up in a cast. He's like. Uh, y'all got any black tape? Because this just is not stealthy. And then, like, freaking sneaks out and just starts murking, like, all those dudes. And they're all, like, in the police station, like, we're not trained for this. Like, we're, like, small-town country cops. Like, the only one, like I said, the sheriff's the only one who's, like, ex-military. The rest of them are just, you know, kind of, like, podunk you know, rookie guys. And they're just like, who the fuck is this guy? Because <laughs> he is just taking motherfuckers out, like, right and left. <laughs> and that's one thing, too. I like how... The way that like episode one started, because like I said kind of like previous season, he's not being frank at the start, so you're going to get a good three quarters, half episode of like slow character building. So they started off with like a shootout, and then flashback to like, all right, this is how we got this. So they're like, we're like, all right, we know this next episode is going to be slow, so here's you a bunch of violence right off the gate to like tie you in, and you're like, here's coming, guys, just give us a chance to tell some story. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was kind of cool. Like, all right, here's you like five minutes of violence to like get you set up, and then we're going to go back and tell a story. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was you know kind of a a cool aspect and a and a way to do things. Because I mean, realistically, I mean it's a good you know couple episodes you know before you really get into the you know full on you know Frank Castle mode. Um, yeah. So you know the but the flashbacks to you know the past and everything else and you know then i i really like the kind of the aspect of 
how they brought you know Billy Russo into this with a blank memory, you know, yeah, where he's been comatose for you know what a, a year or more. Yeah, it's been and, at least a year since the events of of Punisher. And Madani, uh, who got shot in the head, she's she's back at work, and she's like completely convinced that he's faking the whole you know amnesia thing because he's such a calculating dude. But no, he's like legit, like brain damaged, and he doesn't like his last memories of were him and Frank and uh, and Curtis still in the military. So to him, these are, guys are all his brothers. He like doesn't remember like all, all the, the bad shit that he he had done. And he's just having nightmares of the skull. But when he, like, escapes and stuff, and, like, because Frank, when he got arrested before all the shit happened, he called He's like, hey, I need some help. He's like, like, no, you got, like, your one get-out-of-jail-free card. I'm done with you. But then once, like, Billy escapes, she's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to need some help. And, like, flies up there to pick him up and, like, tells the sheriff, like, "Uh, we would appreciate it if, uh, you know, Mr. Castione was never here. (laughs) And he's like, he, like, looks at Frank and he's like, hey, even if she didn't show up, you were never here. <laughs> He's like, you saved my ass. And I don't care what Homeland says. Like, even if she didn't show up, you were never here. <laughs> He's like, got you, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, with like, uh, I freaking go, you know, shows up and like goes back to New York. It's like, it's time to do some work. <laughs> and it was kind of cool that she had like saved his, his vest too. And like had been keeping it. And she pulls out, she's like, here, you know, go take care of Billy and fucking gives him the vest back and stuff. <laughs> but at the same time, she's like, oh, I brought in this like attack dog, but I don't know if I want to let him off his chain yet. You know, he's like, he's like, just give me some information so I can find him. I don't want you blowing up the city again. <laughs> and Frank's like, that's cool. I got my own shit. I'm going to go hunt some Russians. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, you know, the, a lot going on at one time, <laughs> yeah. you know, because, I mean, you've got at least three different story arcs happening relatively simultaneously. And uh, I don't, I, you know, the the psychologist working with Billy, like, yeah. that was a interesting plot twist because, you know, the, the good-hearted, you know, psychologist then becomes a villain in herself. Like, it very much reminded me of Joker and Harley. Because, you know, Harley Quinn was Joker's psych- prison psychiatrist and fell in love with him. And especially by the end where he's, like, all wearing the mask and has finally gone, like, full villain. You know, even though he's, like, you know, his his memory's all wonky. But he finally decides, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a bad guy. Because at first he's, like, he's kind of conflicted because he's, like, you know, he's kind of uh, got pure, poor impulse control because of his, his what happened to him. But then he kind of embraces it all and says, so I'm going to be full on gangster and, and run the city. And like, yeah, she like just takes that turn and goes like, you know, fully involved with his shit. And it's like very much a, like, and she's just as crazy as he is by the end of it. It's very much like a Harley Joker <laughs> relationship nearly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, cause I mean, you know, leading up to that, you know, when Billy's just trying to find his identity and, you know, try to replace some of the blanks, you know, and he, yeah. Breaks into Madani's, you know, apartment, you know, he confronts Curtis, you know, out of the blue in the parking garage. And, you know, you're like, oh, shit, shit's going down. And then it's like, oh, well, he's just trying to get information. And as long as nobody provokes him first, you know, he's yeah, not he's like, necessarily looking to 
create any harm or you know anything. And he's like, I heard I shot you, and he's like, I'm I'm sorry about that. And, you know, and he's like, I just want to know who did the who's who's the skull who did this to me. He's like, I can't help you. And he's like, I would never hurt you, Curtis. You know, because he's like, he you know. He very he very much is different than the Billy we had of last season. He's he's you know all the bad shit he did after he left the military like has kind of been erased, and he's doing bad shit all over again, but differently now. <laughs> but that like first confrontation where where because uh, you know, Frank's kind of distracted hunting the Russians, and you know Madani is finally like he's like you need to finish this this thing with Billy and. And you know, even Curtis is like, "Yeah, you, know, you need to take him down because I want to go back to my life." And when they go to like, you know, hunt him down with the and try to stop that bank robbery, and uh, he sees him for the first time, and he like, you know, opens up his jacket, and you see the skull. It's like the first time we see Frank in the Punisher outfit, and he's like, "You should stay in your hole, Billy." And Billy like just loses his shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I mean, well, because to I, him, he was, and, and I thought it was that. great, yeah. you know, because it's like Billy has no memory, you know, and he's like, you know, and he goes back and he's like, why is my best friend trying to kill me? You know, he pulled a gun on me and fired, you know, yeah, he why, why, why is this happening? <laughs> he doesn't remember that, you know, he killed Frank's family, you know, and, and even Frank has that, you know, when he talks to Curtis afterward, he was like, you know, Billy was just completely like shocked. Like I, this amnesia is not faking. He's like, to him, we're all still brothers. He doesn't understand like what he did, but I still got to kind of put him down. Cause he's doing a whole bunch of other bad shit, <laughs> regardless if he remembers why I want to kill him. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, it was just, it was kind of wild, you know, I Felt almost like you know, you know, <laughs> had some involvement. It's like, ooh, twist after twist after twist. Oh, At yeah. some point, it's gonna all unspiral and just <laughs> unravel, and you know, it's gonna be like confetti and just go everywhere. Oh, and uh, speaking of John Wick moments, I I do love when when uh, uh, Frank takes out the some of Billy's uh, crew and gets gets the phone. And because he, you know, he ends up having to kill them all. He doesn't have anybody to question, so he, you know, chops the guy's thumb off to open his phone and finds a picture of a girl from where they've been partying, and goes to track her down at this bar to find out where, you know, Billy's hideout is. <laughs> and he walks out, and there's like these six dudes follow him. They're like have nothing to do with Billy's crew, but they're just like random hitmen that want the, you know, five million dollar bounty. So Frank's like, "What's going on?" And he's like, "Yeah, you got a bounty on your head uh, from you know some dude." And he's like, "He's like so." Hell, there's six of us. And before you can even get, like, there's six of us and one of you out, Frank just pulls his gun and shoots, like, five of them and pops the other one in the knee. <laughs> just It was one man with six guns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just so, like, just badass. He's like, hell, there's six of us. Bop, 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 bop. Oh, there's just one of us now. <laughs> this, this isn't good. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, there's definitely, like, some good Punisher moments, like, peppered throughout. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of you, t- Frank letting people live when they go to the kitty porn, like producer guy, <laughs> that is probably one of the funniest things. Cause, um, they're like, well, we got this, that was a, like, I talked about, you know, plot holes and, and Bumblebee not noticing them until afterward. That was like the, the plot hole that kind of popped up on me after watching this was the whole plot centers around these people having, 
film that they took blackmail, but it's still like film. Like who like uses 35 millimeter anymore? Everything's digital. I don't even know where you would buy a 35 millimeter camera at this point. <coughs> but the evidence was on like old school, like, you know, canisters of films. So they had to find some place to develop it. <laughs> and it's like the one guy that they know that has like a, a, uh, off the books, uh, dark room they can use is some guy who makes like, uh, people hire to be their like, you know, porn photographer. And, uh, he guy makes like kitty porn or whatever. And he's like, you know, he does it old school. He's like, you, you know, you can't put this on the internet. Can't be on your computer. There's no way for anybody to track it. You know, you got to pay extra for this. And Frank just like breaks both his arms and like beats the shit out of him. And is like going to kill him until the girl comes out from, uh, from uh, developing the photos, she's like, we got what we need. There's no reason to kill him. And Frank's is like, he's, he's like, he's, uh, you know, he's a piece of shit. I agree. He should die. But that seems like it's even crossing a line for you. He's unarmed. You know, he's not a threat to us. Like let him live. And he's kind of like kind of pouting about it. And she's like, she's like, you, you, you're really upset that you didn't get to kill that guy. And he's like, yeah, kind of. She's like, he's a scumbag. I mean, if you want to burn this place down, I'm cool with that. And he's like, okay. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> she's like, fine. You can burn his house down. All right. Yeah. <laughs> just, that made me laugh. And they're just like walking out all happy. And like the fucking studio is like burning down behind him. And the guy comes running out with his like two broken arms, like flapping, trying to get away. It was just, <laughs> just kind of a, a just an amusing, uh, like, just Frank is so depressed because he didn't get to kill a guy. He's like, fine, burn his house down. He's like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I can be happy again. I don't know. I mean, they that was probably, you know, one of the coolest relationships, though. You know, after Frank losing his family and then, you know, like, I, I you know, it's it's crazy, you know, to think of, like, how much of a father figure he was to her, but you know, he's so wrapped up in vengeance and everything that, you know, I don't think he could really see it, you know, or process it, but you know, she's like, you know, looking at him, you know, for that guidance and that direction. Yeah. Cause she was, you know, a kid without a family and he was, you know, father without children. And you know, she, by the end of it, you know, he was cared for her and he, and she covered him because even like, you know, like when, leading up to it, like, you know, one of the cool things, you know, when he's, uh, you know, teaching her to shoot and stuff like that. And that's like, you know, that's, that's good on you, sir. Yeah. When she gets all like super excited and tries to like take his gun away from him to show him she's learned something and, you know, freaks him out. And he's like, I almost killed you ass. But, you know, she was still like, you know, trying to make daddy proud. It was, it, it was kind of a, kind of a cool, uh. Uh, whatever I don't care. Although it could be a dynamic. recipe for disaster, you know, a girl with daddy issues, you know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Just>. uh, yeah. <laughs> I had a good girl, Beth. Now I've got you. What am I supposed to do with you? Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that uh, yeah, she had yeah her character progression of uh, yeah was was pretty cool. She wanted to be like Junior Punisher. <laughs> it almost shoots Curtis with the shotgun. <laughs> Frank told me to shoot anybody who didn't knock. <laughs> so I wonder if that's how the series gets continued on. Maybe she picks up the helm as Punisher-esque and, you know. She goes down to Florida to become Punishette, a- you know. And, you know, it's going to be an entirely original Netflix series. And, <laughs> you know, since everything's going to Disney. 
Yeah. That way Netflix can still do, you know, some uh, <laughs> some comic book I mean, type there was, stuff. There was Lady Deadpool, so um, we had Lady Thor and <laughs> Lady, Lady Ghostbusters. Now. I yeah. mean, you know. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think her and uh, Madani could make a good team. <laughs> I did like, you know, the inclusion of... Because uh, they always have, like, some kind of crossover of the main shows without having the actual main show people in it. And for a while there, it was the nurse lady. And then for Punisher, it's always been uh, Karen Page, which we get, like, one episode of her. But having uh, the detective from all the Daredevil series kind of being the one hunting Frank and Billy on the, uh, like, NYPD side of it. And, you know, I, I, I kind of liked him as a, as the... You know, because, you know, Madani is, is kind of more operating in the gray area, and he's very, like, you know, black and white about it. <laughs> and those two kind of it was like an interesting, you know, antagonist partnership going on, too. But I, I kind of, you know, he started off as just kind of like this street cop and daredevil, and now he's like a you know, lead detective. And, <laughs> and even him is like, you know, trying to take down Frank, but also, like, you know, I don't really, you're kind of a good dude, but I have to, you know, have to do my job. But by the end of it, he's, he's almost like, you know, and I, I, you know what? I actually, you know, really like that segment, you know, when they're trying to, so Frank gets, you know, injured and, you know, is in a hospital and, you know, it wouldn't be, you know, Frank Castle to him being locked up in a, a hospital. So, you know, his, uh, his cohorts, come up with a pretty brilliant, you know, scheme <laughs> to break them out. You know, I mean, speaking of con artistry and everything oh, else, yeah. and, you know, she comes in dressed as a nurse, steals some shots, and, you know, kind of flirts with the, the officer a little bit. She's like, you want to be a nurse? Down. She's yeah. like, well, I am certified now. I got my badge here and everything. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that was that was awesome. But, you know, the... I don't know the the whole warehouse twist was also yeah, pretty, but that that whole ambulance pursuit with him and you know the the Amish dude and um, you know and I, I totally did not expect it to be uh to be a freaking pilgrim because you know before that Madani like because they the whole thing is like you know Billy decides like the best way to end Frank is to make him think he's no longer the hero. So he kills a bunch of hookers and makes it look like Frank did it when he goes in to like, you know, raid his house. And he spends like days like watching Frank watching him. And it's like this whole time, you know, they're watching his his place trying to like, you know, waiting to for him to arrive and the whole time he's like watching them like could have killed them at like any point, but he kind of wanted to crush Frank's soul. <laughs> and, well, I mean that that you know, and that goes back so, to what we so were. So Frank stating. doesn't want to be rescued of that. You know, when the one guy shows up to kill him, he puts his arm out and says, "Go ahead, fucking kill me." Until they show him, like, no, Frank, like he fake, Billy killed these girls. You didn't, you know. And it's his plan almost worked if it wasn't for uh, well, and I mean that, Karen and Madani, and that was kind of the cool aspect, and that's where we kind of get the the full arc on the role that the psychologist plays. You know, she's in love with Billy. You know, so. Billy's sharing these stories, and, you know, then Madani, you know, goes and freaking opens up like a uh, a book, and, you know, the psychiatrist is analyzing everything. It's like, ah, you know, he, uh, 
he's able to carry on because he realizes he's killing only bad people. But the innocent, you know, the, the time yeah, that he kills, you know, innocent people will break his will and his spirit. And I mean, like you said, it nearly worked. Yeah. And if it wasn't for when, you know, Billy calls to, to gloat about it, you know, freaking Madani eventually picks up on it that he's basically quoting the exact same shit the psychiatrist told me when, when I was talking to her and realized she's all in on it and goes, goes after her. But yeah, when, when they figure out that, Frank has been framed and, and tells him that like, no, you didn't kill those girls. It was Billy and we got to get you out of here. And freaking, uh, the detective like throws him in a, catches them and puts them in an ambulance and they're fleeing. And she calls the detective trying to explain to him, no, Frank didn't kill these girls. And then you see like the NYPD cruiser pulling up behind him. Like I expected it to be, you know, he stole the ambulance. Madani stole the police car and is trying to like rescue Frank, but no, it's damn preacher man shows up and starts shooting the piss out of him. <laughs> And Frank's in the back, like, let me out of these cages. It's like he's like dodging bullets as they're coming through the door. And he's like, he's like, no way, I'm not letting you go. <laughs> but then, you know, I mean, I guess he gets to see kind of Castle's real character, you know, when, you know, because, you know, Frank was like, okay, you know, he, he doesn't have any major injuries. So I'm just going to bail while I got the chance. And he notices, oh, shit, we got open flame and a leaking gas tank. So yeah, it goes back now I've like- got to rec- rescue the detective. And, you know, the detective's like, damn it, Frank, don't you walk away. I'll shoot you. And he's like, hey, go ahead, dude. You know, you do, <laughs> do what, what you got to do. do. <laughs> I'll do what I got to do. Because he knows he's like black and white. He's a good cop. He's not going to shoot him in the back. <laughs> and then that was, speaking of twists, that kind of – the the follow up to that was a cool twist because Frank like now that he's got this like police ID that he's stolen, you know, uses it to track down the guy that they were supposedly blackmailing it because yeah you know, the preacher shows up and like beats the crap out of uh, Curtis and the girl's gone so he thinks preacher's gotten the gotten the girl so he goes and picks up uh just the freaking kid the, the senator kid. and then you find out he knows nothing about any of this because he's all like you know he's you need to call up your guy and so, the- so yeah it's like the whole time he's like. He's legitimately like, you know, trying to be a good dude in his own right. And it's his parents that have, that have, have been running all this shady shit. And he had like no clue about it. So that was kind of a, an interesting twist on things. Cause like, you know, Frank wants to hold this guy for leverage. And then he's like, he's an innocent. So, you know, Frank really can't you know, <laughs> do anything to him now that he knows that he's, He's an innocent, but he, I, I like it. And yeah. I think that's the whole reason he didn't really, you know, go after, you know, Curtis or anything. Because, you know, it's, I, I I don't know, you know, that's kind of the crazy thing. Like, you know, Curtis gets used to babysit the kid. Then he's babysitting the hostage. All the while, he's ignoring his, uh, you know, girlfriend because, you know, he doesn't want to <laughs> get anybody else wrapped up in all of this shit. But, you know, when, you know, the, the senator's like, look, dude, I, I just want to go home. Kurt's like. You know what? I'm with you. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and and it was kind of cool too when Frank like uses him in bait and calls the the parents and tells them like you know tell me where your guys at and tell them you need to get get the thing and records it all and lets him like hear his dad like admitting to all the bad shit he did and then and the guy's like dude my dad's an asshole I'm I'm with you Frank <laughs> you <know? laughs> and when he and when Curtis takes him and turn him over to the cops he's like hey he's like let Curtis go because like you know my yeah. They really had no, you know, I, I kind of understand what they did now that I know what kind of piece of shit my family is. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I don't know. I like the, the whole, you know, scene too, where, 
you know, you just see the girl and it's almost like she's confronting, you know, the, the senator's parents by herself. And yeah. it's like, you know, the wife, you know, ends up going for a knife or something. And then you just see Castle, and, you know, puts, you know, two <laughs> rounds in her and slumps over dead. And, you know, the husband's like, what the fuck? You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, but even before, uh, before, yeah, um, we'll skip ahead to that thing and, and kind of backtrack here in a second. But, yeah, he walks in there and he's like. He's like, uh, I was going to come in here with two bullets, but uh, your wife looks like she already made her decision. So he like lays the gun and the bullet and like plays the video. And he's like, you know, you can either give your son the option of uh, trying to be a good man on his own and, 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 and letting it all go free, or you can live and this goes out into the media. Yeah, you reap what you sow. You, know, like you, can, you need to choose to, to give him a chance to, to be a good man and, and or – you can, uh, you know, stay alive, and I'm going to ruin all of y'all. <laughs> and he decides to to eat the bullet and let let him go on his own. But how we got to, the girl like wasn't actually kidnapped. She was hiding in the dude's car and tracks him to his home or his apartment. And Frank goes to like finish this, and it was funny because he pretty much pulled the same trick on Frank that Frank pulled on his guys earlier where he had the two hotel rooms. So when they raid the one room, he's in the other room and starts shooting and he pretty much did the exact same thing to Frank <laughs> and that whole like back and forth, but like shooting between the walls, he's like fucking one of them will run out and go into the other room while the other one's running out and going <laughs> and they're just kind of like just chasing each other around like this wall. I was like, that was like a fucking just badass like gunfight. And then he actually gets the girl and, and you know, Frank goes home to, get the dude to use him as bait and he's not there. And he's like, all right, show up here, get your guy. And by this time he's kind of had a change of heart too. Cause he's found out his wife died. And that was the whole thing when she, they're like, you got to go kill these people. Don't worry. You know, we're gonna keep your yeah. wife alive. And she's like, the last thing I want to see is you. So he's starting to realize that, you know, he's had faith in the wrong people and they're just using him, but now they have his sons. So he's got to kind of, still play his part because, you know, his, his wife's gone, but they still got his kids. And, you know, and he even tells the girl when he's like, you know, taking her back to Frank, he's like, I really wish I could let you go. Like, I'm kind of done with this, but you know, I gotta, I gotta protect my family and him and Frank have that where they're both kind of like out of bullets and start beating the shit out of each other. And he gets to the point where he's about to like, you know, he, he lets the girl go and they start fighting and uh, he's about to kill him. He's like, and he's like, kill me. And, you know, just, don't you know hurt my family and he's like frank's like oh fuck family (laughs) so i like after they wrap up everything with billy that like frank goes and like rescues his sons and you know and then you see preacher get out of the car he he didn't kill him he's like i understand why you're doing this so i'm gonna go rescue your family and (laughs) and and finish this you know this dealings but then yeah but then the Madani Billy storyline where she goes to confront the goes to find him and confronts the finds out the, the freaking psychiatrist is in on it. And she attacks her and fucking she chunks her ass out a window, <laughs> which was gangster as fuck. And then Billy like, attacks well, I her. mean, you know, there was great foreshadowing leading up to that, you know, yeah, cause you she's know, like afraid of uh, heights and stuff, you know, going back to the psychologist, you know, family, like apparently there was a lot of, drama between the the father and the mom so the father's like you know the mom's like, i want a divorce and the father's like well if i can't have her neither can you and you know basically the father jumps out of a building you know with 
the psychiatrist in his arms, you know, and she suffers, you know, that major back injury and everything. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I was like, you could see that coming from a mile away, you know, because anytime <laughs> yeah. she would get close to a window, you know, the, the panic and everything would set in and, you know, she's trying to overcome that fear. And Madani's like, oh, time to pay the piper. Yeah, you stab me, bitch. I'm throwing you out a window. <laughs> and then put three rounds in Billy when uh, he comes to get her. And then, because he's like, you know, yeah, after the whole thing with Frank, she's like, all right, I'm just going to take my money and I'm going to take my new girl and we're going to leave. And he gets there right as she's getting thrown out of the window and tries to attack Madani and gets gets all shut up and then goes to some shady doctor <laughs> and passes out while the guy's ruining the bullets. And the guy's like looking at him. He's like looking at the money. He's like, fuck this, throws him in a damn dumpster and takes his money. So, you know, even though his brain is still like all messed up, he tries to like, he still like thinks of like Curtis and Frank as, as his friends and goes to like, Curtis's basement to die and calls him up. He's like, Hey man, I'm in your basement bleeding to death. Like if you can find it in your heart, I, I really don't want to die alone. Just don't call the cops, man. I'm not going back. I'm going to die anyway. Just, just, I don't want to die alone. And then he's like down there waiting and Frank walks in and you think for a moment, they're going to have this thing where like, you know, him and Frank like have like a, a conversation. But at the end of the day, you know, like, you still killed my family and killed like a whole bunch of figures. So he's like, he starts like, ah, it, of course it's going to be you that shows up here at the end and, and starts like, talk to him. You think they're going to have this conversation. Frank just like freaking pulls out, double taps him and walks out. We're like, Oh shit. (laughs) Frank's like, I'm done with this. But I mean, that whole sequence though just felt so rushed. Like, you know, there was so much build up. That that last episode probably should have been like, they should have been 14 episodes. It's like trying to wrap all that up in like one episode was kind of, yeah, it was kind of all kind of crammed together. I mean, it was, I don't know. I mean, to me, I still felt like season one was better. You know, I, I, I did like the fact where, you know, Frank at one point realizes that, hey, you know, Russo's a hell of a challenge when he's talking to Karen. And she's like, you still know the blind dude, right? You know, and <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, are we going to get a Daredevil appearance? You yeah, know? that was uh, sweet. <laughs> I was waiting, but we we never did quite get it. <laughs> That's been the problem with all these Netflix series is like there's not been enough crossover between them, you know, other than that one Defenders thing. Uh, especially with Frank like shooting up New York, you think Daredevil would show up at some point? <laughs> hey, uh, I heard there's some trouble in my neighborhood. <laughs> but then, like I said, yeah, I, I did like like after he double taps Billy and just walks out, it cuts directly to. Curtis, Madani, and the detective all stand there, and the detective's like, <clears throat> he's like, all right, like, you know, how y'all gonna explain this? Give me the this? story one more time. Yeah. He's like, yeah, came down here, found him dead. Really? Well, how did he get the extra two holes in him? Did you put him there? And he's like, nah. And he's like, well, what about you, uh, Madani? He's like, she's like, hmm, I guess, you know, maybe I did shoot him five times instead of three. Yeah, I was, you know, knocked out, you know. And, he, and he's like, all right, that's the story you're going to go with. So what about Castle? And then both of them sign with him. He's like, who? And he's like, motherfuckers. All right, whatever. <laughs> Bad enough of y'all shit. <laughs> but then I like how, like I said, you started off season one with him retiring. And at the end of season, the season one, they're like, you know, you have your chance to start your life. So he tries to give it up again. And, you know, season two starts with him, like, you know, not being the Punisher. And you even had that one conversation where he's talking to 
to uh to all of them and he kind of has that moment like you know i, I realized that you know y'all gotta just let me be who i'm supposed to be like and you know I, i've I've, I've, I've let a lot of people that probably, probably should have killed go lately. And, and, you know, I've tried to be a good man, but I realize y'all need to like, just let me do my thing. And then it, you know, cuts to like three months later and he's like watching a bunch of dudes like go into a, a building and he gets a random call and it's Madani. She's like now working for the CIA. And she's like, Hey, you know, I got a really bad guy with a target on his back and needs a bullet in him. Uh, and you're really good at that. Uh, you want to come work for me? He's like, I'm offering you a job. You know, so he could like, you know, go back to being legal and whatnot. <laughs> and he's like, nah, Badania, I've already got a job to do. And then you see like those guys in the warehouse, like, like y'all called us here to, to, to meet. And like, no, we didn't. Y'all called us here to meet. What? You playing with me? And then you just cuss like Frank's like, Hey, I'll play with you. And he's like in the vest, even like the black trench coat, dual wielding the freaking, uh, M4s. And it's like, oh yeah, there's no retiring. He's like, he's the fucking Punisher now. <laughs> I was like, that was, even if like Disney cancels this, we get no more Punisher. That was a great way to end it with him. Like he is the Punisher. There's no more like I did what I got to do. Now I'm going to retire until somebody else pisses me off. He's like, no, I found my calling. This is what I should be doing. I'm the fucking Punisher. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, that, that did bring a little bit of a closure, but gosh, it just sucks that, you know, th- this could be the end. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and, and for so many great, you know, Netflix series too, like. But that was the most Punisher esque ending. I mean, he looked like. Oh yeah, the I Punisher. Mean, that was know, the most Punisher he's he's ever looked. <laughs> Just him dual wielding with with the fucking trench well, that coat was and everything. My, you know, thing with, you know, as we were getting season one and you know everything else was. You know, coming from Thomas Jane Punisher, which is outside of John Barenthal. Now, I can't actually believe I'm going to say this, but Thomas Jane is now my second favorite Punisher. <laughs> um, you know, I I, I got to give it to Barenthal. I mean, you know, he just sold the role. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was the thing that I was like, eh, you know, he, he doesn't quite have the quintessential Punisher look, you know? I mean, you know, that was probably one of the most iconic moments, you know, Netflix or, you know, just um, cinematic was... films was, you know, when the the son in the Thomas Jane film hands him, you know, the shirt that has yeah. the skull. Like, that moment, you know, still carries over. Because that was the, probably one of the only disappointing things about season one is, the end of his run on Daredevil, you see him fight. Like he never wore the Punisher logo. He finally gets the vest and paints it up at the end. And then we start season one of the Punisher with no skull. Yes. And we don't, he doesn't suit up until I don't know, three quarters of the way through. And in this one, he starts off again, no skull, but they at least get him the vest like early enough where we got at least half of the series with him. Like every time he goes out, he's wearing the, wearing the skull and shit. But that, that final scene of him just like full Punisher mode was like, I was like, yes. And we, we didn't talk about when he goes to the, the Russian gym to like find out, you know, who, Oh dude, who hired them to get those photos. I don't uh, want to work out with that guy. <laughs> yeah. That's that fight scene. Cause he's like, he's like, they don't carry any guns in there. Cause cops come in there to work out sometimes. So that's kind of a safe spot. So he goes in there unarmed and they just like 
get in a fight with these like five Russian like bodybuilders. And he's like, he'll take a hit and then like kind of use that momentum to go into fighting another guy and like grabbing weight plates and shit. <laughs> and I was and they hit people with barbells and everything. I was like, that's probably one of the most brutal like hand to hand fight scenes I've seen in a while. I mean, I mean that was cooler than anything from like Iron Fist. Yeah, <coughs> which I did. You know, have you know when um they go in to uh confront the I think it's when they go to confront the preacher. But anyway, like it had throwbacks, you know, and and the Thomas Jane Punisher film. He's in the apartment, right? And, you know, then all of a sudden all these, you know, bad dudes start coming up. So people are flying over the, you know, fucking stair rails and everything else. I had, you know, very much that same experience when there's like, you know, a group of people running up the stairs, you know, after the girl. And, you know, and it, you know, you just see all the bodies. And I was like, okay, where's the big ass Russian dude? Oh, yeah, he already <laughs> killed them all at the gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. And when the girl like takes the gun from and does the thing that he taught her and and shoots the dude, that was that was kind of cool because she's always she's been kind of like a just like you know smart ass and and when she finally actually pulls the trigger on somebody and she's like has that moment of like I don't see how you do this and he's like don't worry about it. you didn't kill him I killed him because he like takes the gun like freaking double he's like you just shot him that's no big deal tap tap see I killed him now it's not your problem anymore <laughs> I mean it's like. A fucked up way of trying to be like a father figure for somebody, but you know, in Frank's own way, it kind of works. <laughs> I think that's probably you know the, the modest that you know <laughs> Frank can be. Yeah, but I mean, once again, you know that just really plays into the the humanizing aspect that we talked about earlier, and I mean, I think that's what's made this series quite unique in a character that you know. How do we not just have somebody fit the quintessential action, you know, movie? You know, it, it's too easy to compare to a John Wick, a Boondock Saints, yeah. a Pulp Fiction, a, you know, James Bond, you know, I mean, any major film, you know, and, you know, this, I think with the direction, you know, really makes it unique and adds a breath of fresh air. And, I mean, once again, I just don't want it to be over, but I'm afraid, you know, his is the end. Yeah, because when he has that conversation with Karen in the hospital after he thinks he's killed the girls and he he kind of breaks down, he's like, I'm not a good person. You need to just, like stay away from me. Like I'm, you know, I'm the I, I became I was hunting monsters and now I've become the monster. You know, it's that's like the most like just human and heartbroken you've seen seen him. And he definitely you know gave the character you know more humanity than than he had like previously shown. It wouldn't just Frank mad, Frank kill. It was like, oh, he's got like, you know, heart and everything. I, I thought that was an so excellent. So Hulk's got the Hulk smash. So, you know, I guess Frank is, you know, Frank mad, Frank kill. Is that... yeah. Frank mad, Frank shoot. <laughs> okay. So with that, uh, any any final thoughts here on this cigar? Dude, this thing has been phenomenal. The, the, the only issue is... um. I can no longer taste. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's not one of those that kind of like peters out in strength as it goes. I'm like, I'm dude. That that intensity and the complexity has lasted throughout, and it has been phenomenal. Yeah, I'm I'm a little ahead of you because I'm you, know, you smoke and put yours down. I, I, it's not left my hand the whole time we've been talking. Well, so I've I'm got not... a book <laughs> called um, Cigar Etiquette, you know, for barbarians. Yeah, and um, you know, somebody gifted that to me. 
And, you know, one of the things they talked about was the cigar smoking experience of, you know, let it rest, let it relax, let it, you know, <laughs> it's all about the conversation, right? Well, I mean, thing is I get like all fired up talking about something and then like I forget to let my cigar relax. I'm just here like, you know, talking puff, talking puff. <laughs> and even as like, you know, I'm down to like maybe an inch left of mine and it's still like strong as shit. I'm like, this is, you know, like I said, this one may, you know. Like you said, this this may be uh, uh, better than the, uh, the Diablo, which that's been my my favorite cigar recently. I mean, this one has the same amount, probably amount amount of strength, but this one like maintains it throughout. Yeah, the Diablo kind of tapers a little bit, but you know, I think what makes this so great is there's a lot of other notes and you know flavors that I pick up on more so than just strength. Yeah. And there's like peppery and like cinnamony. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's got a lot of flavor. It's not just a kick in the teeth. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, and I could be wrong, but I think this is actually priced just a, a touch cheaper than the Diablo. But I mean, coming from Hoyo, um, not really a manufacturer that, you know, I associate with big powerhouse cigars. Now, there may be people that, you know, their, their shop carries a lot more Hoyo products than I'm familiar with and be like, well, you forgot X, Y, and Z or blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, this is a surprisingly pleasant smoke. And yeah. now I'm afraid that we've overhyped it because normally <laughs> what happens is we find something, we enjoy it, two months later, it goes up $3 in price. <laughs> yeah, or you just can't find it because everyone like starts smoking it. Uh, but yeah, like this is definitely maybe a, a competitor for the, uh, the Diablo spot, especially since Diablo's, like you said, ones we like, then you can't find them anymore. And it's like sold out half the time, but this one's been in stock most of the time when I can't find the other. So this may be my new, uh, my new go-to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. I still absolutely want to do the side-by-side -side comparison of the two. <laughs> yeah. We have to do like I said, a, a double smoke. <laughs> Have two going at once is puff puff here. Hoyo Diablo. <laughs> Hodab. <laughs> Damn, too bad we already did a Baba Hotep episode. <laughs> oh. And with that, we'll be right back. for some knowledge time to learn some shit and time to do some science you ready to learn some science brad 
I'm ready. What do we got on the agenda today? Well, first up, uh, we're going to talk about shit bricks. Ah, old shit brick, huh? Yep. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, some uh, there's a, a scientist who is working on making bricks out of recycled poop. <laughs> so not only can you... Uh, Get shit bricks, you can live in a shit house too. <laughs> so does that make Taco Bell now a renewable resource? It may be. <laughs> Dr. Abbas Mohirani, uh, uh, from Australia, works for the Australian RMIT. Um, basically, uh, when they see your sewage treatment plants, uh, once they've treated the water and stuff like that, they end up with a a like leftover solid uh, called uh, biosolids that, you know, some of it is used for fertilizer and non food related crops like yep. trees and whatnot. But about 30% of it ends up in landfills that, you know, cause I really can't come up with anything to do with this stuff. Uh, and you know, bricks like your standard housing bricks are actually kind of bad for the environment because, you know, they take uh, like 3 billion cubic meters of clay uh, dug up to produce uh, – that's annually to produce you know, bricks for housing and building. And also it takes a lot of energy to produce these things because you know, they have to be heated and cooked and whatnot. And you know, Dr. Abbas uh, published a, in the journal Building uh, a way – they're making bricks that are 25% uh, biosolids. And they're saying this, this you know, technology – it you know makes a odor free product that is you know just as strong as your standard brick but requires half of the amount of energy to actually produce so it's you know it's recycling something that wasn't recycled before plus it's also you know a lot less impactful on the environment to produce hmm very interesting sounds like a shitty gig <laughs> <laughs> But I mean that's awesome though, and then you know a lot of regards. But here's here's the issue, right? And it boils down to every other facet is the billions that the brick making companies have and everything else, they are never going to let this come into a full market production. Well the thing I think if they implement this stuff, it's actually gonna mean more money for them because if they can spend less to make it and still charge the same amount. That's more profit. <laughs> and they're also saying that these things are, they're more porous. So they're less thermally conductive. So buildings that are made out of shit bricks will cost less to heat and cool because they won't. Uh... So they kind of have a natural built in insulation then. Yep. Very interesting. Which if you can just kind of, and they say, you know, it doesn't smell. It doesn't really look like poop. It looks like a regular brick. So it's a, uh, you know, if you just kind of get past the thought of my house is made of turds. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, I... They're going to do some like, serious marketing. Dude, I, 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 <laughs> I would love to go into a big box, you know, home improvement store <laughs> and like see an entire shelf that's just labeled shit bricks. <laughs> hey, y'all got any of them shit bricks? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Oh, uh, so uh, yeah, I, mean, I mean that that may just have a whole new meaning of sheetrock. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a pun that I didn't even think of. That's a good one. 
Your house is made with sheetrock. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, speaking of rocks, uh, scientists have discovered the oldest rock on Earth, not on Earth. <laughs> uh, recently, uh, there was a, a study published in the uh, Journal of Earth and Planetary Science that uh, looking at some rocks brought back from Apollo 14 uh, that was kind of brought up out of some craters on the moon, and they found a rock that uh, it's composited of rocks and materials from Earth that are quite common on Earth, but super rare on the moon. And this thing is, you know, possibly 4 billion years old. So they're saying that at some point there was a, you know, possibly a collision with Earth, you know, during like the early you know, kind of at the the dawn of life on Earth, something like a comet uh, or some other, you know, rogue planet or something struck the Earth at some point and flung this thing up to so the moon. When we find out it wasn't an asteroid that made the dinosaurs extinct, it was oh, the moon ran into Earth. <laughs> what was it that, that old Zelda game where uh, <laughs> that angry moon was trying to crash on the planet? You were trying to. To stop it from from hitting the Earth, I don't know. All I can think about is Super Mario, and you know, you had the sun that would like attack you as you're running through the desert. Like, I think that was Super Mario Brothers three or something. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much how I feel every time I'm like outside in the summertime. The sun is trying to kill me. But yeah, this this uh, rock that they discovered uh, consisted of you know quartz, feldspar, and zircon, which are very common on Earth, but highly unusual for the Moon. So yeah, there's like you know, theorizing that you know there was some kind of great impact upon the Earth at some point, and you know four billion years ago apparently the Moon was a lot closer than it is now, so you know, very interesting stuff. So that, not quite as interesting as sheetrock, but still pretty cool. <laughs> Old ass moon rocks. <laughs> and speaking of. Uh, impacts and and uh whatnot uh scientists are now saying you shouldn't upgrade your phone for science because <laughs> apparently uh it's the hundredth uh or no hundred and fiftieth anniversary of the original periodic table when you know the science you know science kind of published the first periodic table so in kind of in the anniversary they've released a new revised periodic table that kind of highlights the scarcity of of some of the elements so you know they're so you know because they're like all the element you know everything in life is made out of approximately 90 different elements but they all kind of have a a finite resources and eventually we're going to run out of it so this new periodic table they're showing kind of the quantities of each element we still have in existence where, you know, some of them are, are very much, uh, you know, plentiful where some of them at the current rate of consumption will be out of within the next hundred years. And 11 of those kind of endangered elements are things that are commonly found in your average smartphone. Ah, see, I took this as don't do software updates. This is, you know, stop, just disposing of your devices every year. Yes, because it says that around 10 million smartphones are discarded or replaced every month. And smartphones are are made up 
of around 30 elements, 17 of which um, may um, start to become more uh, scarce in the coming you know, years. So we definitely need to stop uh, updating our shit every time a new thing comes out yearly because we're, you know, not only are they showing up in landfills and whatnot and hurting the environment, they're also using up precious resources that we either under-recycle or there's not a known method of recycling for so those elements So when you recycle yet. a old phone, are there some, you know, of those rare elements that are able to be re-extracted or, you know, anything? Or are they just... It doesn't really... didn't really say that. I mean, there's some... Of course, I'm, I'm assuming some of the stuff, you know, can be recycled. But, you know, a few of the elements uh, are kind of like, you know, it's it's possible, but it's not you know not done. I guess not enough, and there's not really a a f- efficient method of recycling that they've discovered yet. So until they kind of become <laughs> easier to reuse, we're uh, yeah. So I just to gotta stop. come up with some kind of smelter that can you know. If you smelt it, you dealt it. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Look at you. Hey, maybe maybe this is a you know. Instead of troll or asshole, maybe we could do, you know, a Punisher series <laughs> where we just punish our listeners with horrible puns. Oh, yeah, that's that's gonna be the uh, the Saturday Night Live parody is the uh, the Punisher. Can we of... not give you know any more ideas out over the air? Like at some Instead point, we gotta people some of this uh, stuff and be like, man, remember these puns. two guys in this basement, you know, that became millionaires because they came up with this great idea and oh. <laughs> uh. We sold it like assholes. Yeah. We've got to figure out, you know, we made a podcast. Now we've got to figure out how to profit off of said podcast. <laughs> we keep coming up with these great ideas and giving them away for free instead of, like, making a thing. Like, well, if we had money and cameras, we'd, we should, like, make movies and, and bad. Yeah, but i got a face for radio. Saturday and I've stuff. That's, why, that's why we become producers and directors. We hire good-looking people to actually do the things. <laughs> We become the George Lucases <laughs> or Steven Spielbergs. We make the things and, and hire good-looking people to act out the things. <laughs> yes, yes. And then we profit. I mean, we already have, like, good director beards. <laughs> now we just need, like, you know. Director chairs. <laughs> cameras and write stuff and and money to make the we things. We need one of them clappy things. Yeah. We got, well, there's some boards here. We could We could make a clappy thing. <laughs> But speaking of dumb ideas, <laughs> we're full of them. <laughs> you should not get drunk and eat a catfish. I love catfish. Well, you shouldn't do it while they're still alive. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're kind of spiky. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, and they, you uh, don't want to catch, you know, one of those, uh, you know, talons to the uh, to the back of the throat. So, uh, a, a case report released in the uh, uh, medical journal Acta Oto Laryngalica case studies, whatever the hell that is. Doctors at the University of that Medical Center. That doesn't even sound like a real thing. I don't know. It's a big fancy medical word, but yeah, doctors at the University Medical Center in Rotterdam uh, <laughs> released a report of a intoxicated twenty eight year old man who apparently him and his buddies got drunk and was inspired by an old episode of Jackass to swallow live goldfish. I I say like goldfish with air quotes, uh, since you can't see what I'm doing. 
because uh, these guys, and they, they filmed all this. So when they showed up at the ER with their buddy who couldn't breathe, they showed the doctors the video. And as they uh, chanted, uh, big fish, big fish, they all did shots of water with a goldfish in it. But one of the goldfish that they took out of the fish tank was actually a bronze spiky catfish. And uh, the spiky catfish apparently uh, did not take kindly to being swallowed alive and released uh, uh, spines while he was halfway down the guy's throat and got caught. <laughs> had to be surgically removed. It's kind of like that poster that says don't give up where it shows the frog being swallowed by the bird and it's like choking the bird as it goes down. Pretty much the <laughs> human equivalent. So it's like a reverse Moby Dick. Yeah. Okay. Humans swallowed fish. Fish fought back. So yeah, of so you know we end science with a cautionary I mean, I, tale. I, I enjoy a good sushi. That's that's taking sushi to the extreme. <laughs> yeah, so make sure your goldfish is goldfish and not actual. Uh, or, or just don't do you know dumb shit. Like yeah. I mean, we've done dumb shit, but that's on a whole nother scale of dumb shit. Yeah, I've never been drunk enough that I'm like. I want to eat a raw fish. I mean, I've gotten home, you know. Or not necessarily raw. I want to eat a live fish, I guess, would have been the proper statement. Yeah, I mean, I've, you, I've had the drunken munchies at, like, you know, back in the day when, you know, when I drank, you know, be like, man, I really want to, like, to eat an entire bag of, you know, freaking pizza pockets or <laughs> or, or order, a, you know, Domino's since they're open to like, 2 in the morning. But I'm never going, you know what I'm really hungry for? That fish over there. <laughs> that just... Like a whole new level of of dumb drunk munchies, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I I think that's a much higher level of dumb, and a much lower level of drunk. Because I <laughs> I'm betting the person that said, "Hey, we could let's do shots with live fish," probably isn't all that intelligent. Yeah, prob probably not. Uh, and with that, hopefully you've learned something with our cautionary tale, and we'll be. Right back with some news. Looking for a different perspective on both new and classic Doctor Who? Come check out the Terminus Doctor Who podcast at Terminus.Lipson.com Or come look for us on iTunes or your other favorite podcatchers as part of the ESO network. The Terminus Doctor Who podcast. Queer. Opinionated. Whovian. Female. And now it's time for all things nerdy in Nerd News. And welcome to Nerd News. Yeah, news. All right. So to kick things off, um, with your not so friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, looks like Spider-Man's going international. That's <laughs> our mean, friendly got, European Spider-Man. We got uh, whatever Men in Black International. So now we have Spider-Man International. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's, uh, you know, wants to go on a school trip to Europe. So, uh, you know, we got our, you know, teaser trailer, and that's what we're discussing now. And um, our AKA good Spider-Man Far From Home. <laughs> I guess that's fitting, you know. Because yeah. now he's in Europe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought he was in space, but now no. he's in Europe. <laughs> it's so confusing. Like... Yeah, because it's trying like, to keep up with the timelines and be like, okay, was this set before Avengers or after Avengers? Where does this fall? Uh, 
oh, it's just a standalone. It doesn't tie into anything, you know, previous. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those is like with Infinity, uh, whatever, Avengers Endgame coming up, where it's like everything else is like, we don't know how this is all going to shake out until then. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's supposed to take place after uh, Infinity, but yeah, they said that time travel may be part of wrapping up this whole Infinity War thing, so who knows? But yeah, Spider Man is going on a European vacation and doesn't want to like he's like leaving his suit behind. He's like, I'm just gonna you know, like I'm just a neighborhood Spider Man. I'm not gonna go be European Spider Man. I just wanna hang out with my friends and try to get a girlfriend. And then very much like the end of Iron Man One, <laughs> Nick Fury shows up and screws up the whole plan. <laughs> Uh, which which is kind of badass. I haven't we haven't seen like you know Nick Fury no, in a outside while. of a couple of you know teeny tiny just split second snippets. I mean we we haven't you know seen him in any large capacity. And we've mentioned before that that the animated uh, Ultimate Spider Man cartoon where you know Spider Man's recruited by Shield. Nick Fury kind of acts as like a mentor to him. It very much had that same same feel. Uh, so I'm like super excited to see. Spider-Man learning from from Nick Fury, and then also since he left his uh, spider suit at home, uh, Nick has showed up, I guess, with some new toys. He probably like called Stark and is like, "Hey, could you send me a couple extra spider suits?" Because the stealth spider suit. <laughs> Somebody we see get for, this uh, kid a suit. <laughs> yeah, the the blacked out stealth spider suit uh, looked pretty badass. Because I've heard this is kind of have some like some kind of James Bond covert shit going on too. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm excited about seeing Stealth Spider-Man. <laughs> Yeah, kind of badass. I don't know. I mean, I and I keep also, you know, hearing a lot of things regarding um, what is it um, into the Spider Verse as well that I've still yet to check out. So I don't know if this correlates in any shape or fashion or not or anything. But I mean, just from you know the the couple minutes we got from the the teaser trailer, I mean, I. It looks like they finally figured out how to do Spider-Man right. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the last couple of, you know, renditions of Spider-Man, you know, I, I can remember, you know, several episodes back of us, you know, who the fuck is Tom Holland? And it's like, <laughs> oh, he's a surprising refreshment. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and also the the awkward scene of uh, Happy hitting on uh, Aunt May. <laughs> I mean, it was bad enough when, uh, <laughs> when Stark was hitting on his... Uh, his aunt. Now he's got Happy hitting on her too. <laughs> I mean, this guy can't get a break. <laughs> it's like Tony. All right. It's like Tony got married. I don't have to worry about him hitting on uh, <laughs> my aunt anymore. God damn it! Now Happy's hitting on my aunt. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> he'll 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 understand puberty soon enough. I'm sure. Yeah. All righty. Uh, fast forwarding and moving right along. Uh, we got another teaser trailer. This time for Ghostbusters. And it does it doesn't show much of anything, but it shows enough that I'm like, oh, because like I still have yet to see that last Ghostbusters. Cause I'm just like, this does not look like Ghostbusters. And one of the my one of my huge complaints, other than like it, the story looked awful, was it didn't have Ecto One. It had like a '70s Cadillac in it, and it wasn't like the Ecto One. And then his teaser, you get like it's the creepy. Music from the library uh, scene, and you see something in a tarp, and all of a sudden, like the wind blows the tarp, and it's OG Ecto One, and then you hear a freaking 
a uh, proton pack fire up and is like, yes. <laughs> but what even more great about this, it's being written and directed by Jason Reitman, the son of the original writer and director. And I don't know how many of the original Ghostbusters are going to be back, but it, he's saying that the 2016 reboot does not exist in this world. This takes place in the same world as the original movies. And, you know, at least some, if not all the guys are going to be back in some capacity or another. So I'm super excited to see. I mean, he's even gone into quote, like I was the original Ghostbuster fan when I was six year old on the set, when they were filming this thing. So I want to make a movie for the fans like me. So I'm, 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 I'm hoping, you know, this is the, the sequel that we've always wanted. Yeah. And you know, like you said, this is going to be taking place with the original films, not the 2016 film. And to your point, there have been no official cast announcements to see if we'll have any of the original members, but we did get a release date. And as of right now, it looks like it's going to be July 10th of 2020. Um, so, And Reitman said, he's like, I, said, I want this kind of to open up like a present and kind of give y'all a little bit of time. But there has been interviews with Dan Aykroyd saying that, you know, a sequel is in the works. So we're pretty sure that, and Dan Aykroyd and uh, 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 Ernie Hudson have both like tweeted out kind of this announcement. So we're assuming both of them are, are in no word on Bill Murray yet. Cause you know, he's Bill Murray and just kind of operates like a ghost himself. You like, he just shit randomly shows up at people's parties and shit and doesn't make any kind of official statements anywhere. But <laughs> we know at least uh, Ray and Winston will probably be involved in some way or another. And I was, they should do it like they did with the, whatever Ghostbusters extreme cartoon where if you want to introduce new people, like, old Ghostbusters are acting kind of like the Professor X and training like the next generation of Ghostbusters. Well, it's been, you know, I, I, you know, this is described as a film that will be passing the torch onto a new generation. So I don't know what the 2016 did, you know, was trying to do, but yeah, the 2016 was like the, the original Ghostbusters never existed uh, where, you know, when they did the, the second Ghostbusters animated series, it was like went, uh, not went to, uh, Egon was kind of acting as a mentor and instructor and was, you know, teaching a new class of Ghostbusters, you know, and you know, Harold Ramis is, is past, but I definitely see Aykroyd stepping into that role and being like a, a, a teacher to a new generation of Ghostbusters if they're going to go, you know, that route with it. So more to come. All right. Um, you know, it was hard to talk about Punisher season two. Without, you know, referencing John Wick. Well, we got our trailer for John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Wiggity, wiggity, wick. Yep, and uh, I don't know, man. Kanana Reeves just a, a straight-up badass. So, yeah. Uh, this is set to release in theaters May 17, 2019. Yeah, I cannot wait to see that. That's oh, We'll definitely be doing another John Wick episode because the... I mean, the trailer, it is a teaser trailer. You don't get a whole lot, but what you get looks pretty badass. And it looks like it takes place right from the end of, of John Wick, too. I mean, it pretty much, you know, started with him running like the <laughs> John Wick 2 ended. <laughs> and it looks like it's going to get crazy. And I, I do like that quote from uh, uh, from the guy who runs the uh, the uh, Continental. He's like, do you really expect him to survive? He's like, 
well, he's got you know five million dollar bounty with every hitman in New York wanting a piece of it. I'll say the odds are about even. <laughs> you know what happens? What's that? Probably a lot of these Russians that the Punisher has killed in season two were the same people that was originally after John Wick. So Punisher, you know, just kind of, you know... Thin the herd. Thin the herd a little bit. That would be an awesome crossover <laughs> movie, is like John Wick and the and the uh, <laughs> Punisher team up. Or they had the animated movie of uh, Punisher and uh, and Scarlet Witch. I'd like to see uh, John Barathol taking Punisher to the big screen, make him show up in some of the you know Avengers stuff. <laughs> no, that would be absolutely awesome. So um, let's talk about some sci-fi. A little bit. How'd you feel about a Starship Troopers TV series? That would be interesting. I mean, that's probably been one of my one of my favorite movies. Uh, I mean, the the straight to video sequels they had for it were not as great as <laughs> the original. But I mean, a TV show might uh, might be interesting. I heard they're talking yeah. about it. Yeah, there there's some talks going on right now. Um, with the original cast members about, you know, possibly doing something, you know, as a, as a TV series. So uh, not a, not a whole lot of details, you know, um, but I think if done right, I mean, it, it could be great. I mean, we've had a lot of phenomenal sci-fi, you know, style TV shows, um, you know, Stargate SG-1 being one that, you know, centered around aliens, of course, you know. Yeah, you, the, the Battlestar Galactica Battle series. Battlestar Galactica. I mean, uh, um, other than the Orville, we don't have any really good, you know, sci-fi uh, space stuff on TV right now. Other than, I mean, I've not yet watched that Star Trek Discovery because it's on a freaking streaming service, not on real TV. So as long as it's on something where I don't have to download another app, I'm I'm down to try the <laughs> try it. I mean, I heard like what are, I think was it CW or something's talking about a Lost Boys series yes. as well. I mean, it's like a whole bunch of like nostalgia TV shows are <laughs> are you know possibly hitting the market here in the next year or so. Yeah, I I I don't know. I mean, I I think Lost Boys could be good as a TV series, but. There's so many ways in my head to do it wrong, <laughs> yeah. and so few in my head on how it's going to be right that I'm like, it, it's going to be really tough. Yeah. And I mean, as a big fan of Starship Troopers and the Lost Boys, I mean, those are two, that's, you know, that's almost like if they, you know, announced they were going to try to do a, a Crow TV show or something. <laughs> like, you know. Didn't just, they do that at one point? <laughs> I, I think they may have. I don't know. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, just, so, if you're going to do it, just do it right. Yeah. And I I, and I'm, I say that not really knowing the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, you're going to have to have a, a lot of original cast. And there's been, you know, quite a few years that have passed. So, you know explaining age differences and that type of thing like you know where in story arcs things follow or is it a its own unique unique arc i i, I don't know um uh, up next a big fan uh you know somebody that i know you've always enjoyed so sabin films has acquired kevin smith jay and silent bob reboot 
Yes. I mean, and as much as I hate reboots, it's going to be hilarious. This is a movie kind of making fun of reboots and reboot culture. So, But it's going to be weird, too, because... Kevin Kevin's Smith, lost a shitload yes. of weight. It's going to be weird. It's going to be like Jay and Skinny Bob. It's well, you know, it, it, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, like, they have Kevin in, like, you know, a fat suit or something, you know. To, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, but I, I, mean, I did I see that love, he had to do you know, the, the Kevin Smith and Jason Muse, you know, duo. I mean. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen. Yeah, seen them. And I don't think we've had any real good, you know, stoner comedy esque films, you know, release in a while. I mean, we did a stoner comedy episode, you know, in the youthful years of the the (laughs) podcast. That's not a topic we've since revisited, but I can't think of anything really off the top of my head that. I don't know. Well, comedy on its own, you've not seen a lot of good comedies lately. I mean, especially, I guess, because. Yeah. Well, you, you know, everyone gets outraged by everything now, so it's like hard to like tell jokes anymore because everything's going to offend somebody. But uh, you remember when that used to be the punchline? <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine George Carlin in today's environment? Like, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the social justice warriors. You know, he he, he would not have a footing anymore because. Well, I mean, hell, I'd be an even bigger fan. You know, if somebody like him. <laughs> you know, came out. You know, was doing you know his uh type of comedy and everything you know i'd be like yeah you know fucking stick it to him but you know i mean i did see that apparently i guess this script was written before he had his heart attack so he said he had to go back and do a lot of rewriting and take out all the fat jokes <laughs> so now he said he's replaced him with vegan jokes <laughs> which i'm i'm okay with that yeah so i i don't know you know i gotta say that I think, um, you know, a, a Jay and Silent Bob reboot is, is going to be a fun time. I don't think Kevin Smith would uh, put uh, his name on it otherwise. Yeah, because they were going to do like a new Clerks movie, like Clerks 3, but apparently I guess some of the main cast couldn't return and they just like, you know, had a lot of trouble with... Because it's weird because apparently he owns the rights to Jay and Bob, but the Weinstein Company still own like the rights to clerks so you know once that kind of fell through he's like well, we'll just make another jay and bob movie because <laughs> uh, you know i can i own them i can do whatever the fuck i want with them so yeah i'm i'm kind of yeah because uh, whatever jay and silent bob strikes back was i, I really like that movie it was kind of hilarious seeing him them two as not as the stars and not like the sidekicks of the movie so a sequel to that is is going to be be interesting yes absolutely you know what else would be interesting tacos to be a 007 agent. Hells yeah. Well, you can't be. Damn it. But for a few million, you could live in the actual fictional London home that, you know, was used as Jane Bond's house. Oh, shit. Yeah, so uh, house is up for market. Um, You know, this is, uh, you know, apparently a very, you know... um, Okay, so this is... The London property on the street where the secret agent lived in the original Ian Fleming novels. So it's a five-bedroom house on Royal Avenue, um, an, loose, an exclusive square in, uh, I believe that's Kingston and Chelsea, which was designed by Sir Christopher Wren and was the architect behind but another London landmark, St. Paul's Cathedral. 
Cathedral. Yeah, man, become almost like old, owning the address of Sherlock Holmes. You know? Yes, <laughs> living at whatever two one B Baker Street or whatever it is. Yeah, because I know there's a, a resort in the Bahamas where the where Ian Fleming's house was, where he wrote all the books. Uh, the, the Golden Eye Estate is now part of some big resort, and you can actually stay in the same villa that Ian Fleming uh, owned and uh, wrote all the books in. But it's I mean, it has like a private beach, and it is. St- I looked it up because it was on one of those Travel Channel shows one day, and it was stupid expensive to yeah. <laughs> to stay there. Well, I mean, this is six point eight million euros. That's probably you know, probably three and a half to four million US, maybe a little bit more. I, I don't quite know the exact conversion. Um, also, stupid expensive. <laughs> yes, but I mean. You know, the the other thing is, you know, this has been designed with a family in mind. So, you know, if you're looking for a, you know, sweet martini cabinet or, you know, a stockpile of, you know, Q's gadgets, you're <laughs> going to be a little bit disappointed. But, you know, just looking at some of the pictures and the elegance and everything, it's like, man, I could I could live like that. It's just going to cost a few million. <laughs> Got to win that damn lottery. Yeah. All right. Um... Switching gears to something completely different. So just the other day, we had the release of the Resident Evil 2 Reimagined. (laughs) And, you know, it's not necessarily a straight remake with updated graphics and stuff. No, they overhauled a lot of the game. Um, I haven't had a chance to spend a whole lot of time with it, but... Resident Evil 2 was one of the games that, you know, put survival horror on the maps of the masses. Oh, yeah, I'm so, like, behind on, on my game. And I still haven't picked up Red Dead 2. I'm dying to play it. But, yeah, freaking the OG uh, uh, Resident Evil 2 was, was a badass game. So, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to give that one a, a revisit uh, <laughs> on a modern system. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so Raccoon City has been rebuilt, you know, in intricate detail. Characters, environments have, you know, all been rebuilt from the ground up. Um, You know, the the survival horror aspect, you know, not only do you have the zombies, but now you have Mr. X that pretty much, you know, follows you and, you know, stalks you throughout the game and everything. Um you know, and yeah, I mean, you know, horror tension narrative. I mean, <laughs> I saw a picture of somebody like uh, trying to play the uh, Resident Evil Two for Nintendo sixty four. <laughs> it was like, I got the Resident Evil Two. I don't see what all the uh, what everyone's uh, excited about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never played it on Nintendo sixty four. No, um, I always played I, on like you know, PlayStation. I, I played it on PlayStation. Yep. I mean, I can remember. You know, I wasn't able to get the PlayStation, like, as soon as it released or anything. But, um, you know, I, I can remember that was uh, Gran Turismo and Resident Evil 2 were the very first games that I played on PlayStation. Not PlayStation 1, just PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> Not PlayStation Classic, PlayStation. Um, so Bro, we played the OG stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, the reason I brought up the Resident Evil 2, not only is it a great, you know, game and been re-engineered and redesigned, but there is talks of a Resident Evil Netflix TV series potentially happening. 
Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Netflix is, you know, I, I mean, they did Castlevania. They were, you know, in talks, and I believe uh, Devil May Cry is one that they're still working on. Um, I've heard rumors of potentially something to do with Diablo. Um, yeah, I finally finished season two of uh, Castlevania, and that was a cool series. So, um, you know, basically this would be a film that, you know, is going to loosely be based on the video games, I guess, you know. Um, Not a whole lot of information to go on. I mean, you know, there was the film franchise. I did enjoy a vast majority of those. They did not follow the the video games, you know, per se. But, you know, I mean, I'm always down with a good zombie flick. Hell yeah. Especially if, you know, it involves anything to do with a little city by the name of Raccoon. (laughs) Any other tidbits, news, um, things you would like to discuss with the fans? I think that's all we got for this week. So check us out on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CigarNerdPod. Pick up your cool smoking shirts at RealMenSmokeCigars.com. Pick up some Strikeforce Energy at StrikeForceEnergy.com. Promo code CigarNerds for 20% off your order. Like us on iTunes, uh, uh, Stitcher, Google Play Music, leave us a review, give us five stars, all that good stuff. And with that, should have stayed in your hole, Billy. And this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We're your hosts, Smokin' Joe and Brad Jackson. Join us next time for more adventures in nerddom. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.